This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Craig Cutchison and Damien Barrett with you both again as per COVID for the past two years remotely. I'm still in quarantine in WA. You are Hachi, I believe. Still in Tasmania. Good morning or good afternoon as it is on this particular Monday on uh, this particular week. Hello, Damo. I feel like I've seen a whole lot of you down the Zoom call across your respective television and uh, dot-com assets. So I'm getting to know your lounge room in the background. How How is quarantine? How are you holding up? Yeah, well, um, I can't work out whether I'm coming out uh, Thursday or Friday. Um, I don't know whether I've got onto the app early enough to make it Thursday, but either way, I'm going to, there's an end oh, on, line in sight. So uh, not too on. far away now. Don't tell me you might do an extra day because you're late filling in the one job you had. <laughs> well, we checked in that <laughs> night. No, no, we, Hachi, we actually didn't <laughs> land until close to, to midnight on the night in question, Perth time. And by the time I got to the hotel, it was, you know, one thirty, two o'clock. So anyway, it may be technicality that I might have to do one more day, but uh, even oh, if I do, I'm goodness. out soon. I'm out soon. Hey, um, by the way, um, I've been keeping a close eye on you. I've sent out an all-points bulletin to my Perth network to keep across, and we've got to clear some things off the top here. This is getting embarrassing. One, you've been going on Basil's show most mornings. It's embarrassing. Get off the radio and what, Basil. What, and- what is embarrassing about going on uh, the high-rating Triple M show in, in Perth, actually, with the Lord Mayor? Because you've mocked and denounced Basil for years, and now you want to be best that friends because you're true. in his town. That, that you is have. not true. You, no, you, you, have. you have. You have. No, we go. We, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with Basil being one of the names, alongside Brayshaw and Taylor and Darcy and a few others, about uh, who was going to take over from Bruce. And we we, we had Basil favourite there at one stage, and he may still be, given he had the Olympics coverage uh, and he got that down pat. So um, no, that 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 is wrong for you to Dude, say that. Speaking of media news, can I have another bit of a role here? Another hard question for you. A lot of interest in the Channel 7 Chief Football Reporter role. We've been talking about it at length. Mark Stevens has gone off to become a full-time tweeter about the Bulldogs, and uh, he's got his own issues with Michael O'Brien and the Leadership Challenge. Mitch Cleary, the original producer, the Maasai of our sounding board, yep. can you can you clarify for me, it hit my desk that he was contemplating taking the 2IC role behind Tom Brown, vacated by Steve-O, and leaving AFL.com. Is our man the Maasai? Been poached. Uh, I I think I can confirm that, Hachi. Yeah, yeah, that that is the case. Um, he will be leaving AFL.com.au wow. at some stage uh, soon-ish to uh, to head across to Channel Seven to to start um, working with Tom Brown, which will be very interesting on a few fronts. Wow, is it is it, is it officially the deputy football role? Well, it might even be to to potentially become the number one man, Hutchie. No, don't, don't even speculate on that. You'll have Tom on the phone. Don't even speculate. But I've never seen a man that? more desperate. I've never seen a man more desperate than Tom to, to actually get that official title. And he finally got there. It took, it took a little bit of time, but he, he finally did get the title. I noticed that uh, he's being uh, thrown to now through the, from, the, um, from the news desk to the roving reporter, Tom Brown, as chief footy reporter. Well done to Mitch. He deserves that role. He'd be bringing at it uh, to lostforafl.com. He's done a great job there. Happy for him. Uh, he'll need a suit up suit upgrade, let's be honest. And hopefully they've got a wardrobe allowance in the deal. That would be the first thing I'd be asking him to negotiate in because that's not his strength. And how they're going to roll is two bulls in the yard. It's going to be very good viewing for the sounding oh. board fraternity. Like when you see the, you know, the feigned kind of – 
you know, because sometimes in the news, there's only room for one AFL story. So, you know, you, you might have to voice the odd sports rap along the way, the overseas <laughs> tennis, just to find his time. <laughs> <laughs> Andy style, I, I don't but... think he's. I don't think he's going in there, Hachi, to to voice the overseas tennis from um, Copenhagen. I, I don't think he's going in there to do that. And what I look forward to is the morning when uh, Tom Brown walks in and says, uh, "Clarkson's going to be the Carlton coaching target," and he walks in and says, "I'm hearing that Gene Syracuse in the mix for the Blues, and and uh, Sean Minigol is going to sit them both down." So listen, boys. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to. I'll take. You know, as an old kind of war veteran of the uh, war stories of the newsroom, I'll look forward to seeing them both duke it out. They'll compete more with each other than they will with the other networks. I would, I would think they would, because yep. you, you, you used to do that with Anthony Mithin, didn't you, when you spent some time there together? Is that fair to say? Yes. We know used to come to blows. <laughs> but we were both competitive, and there was enough fair time for both of us on the news at the time back in the late 90s. But, yeah, it was was, – was, um, I, I can see this – this Tom Mitch dynamic being very watchable. Of course, well, uh, watching the I wouldn't put it past first. I wouldn't put it past Tom. Um, you know, because he's a competitive beast as much as anyone who's in this caper, Hutchie. He's probably more wired to you than anyone I know when it comes to you know wanting to to get the story. Uh, he he might have, he would be prepared to shoot down a Mitch story within ten minutes of Mitch going with it. I reckon well, if, if he felt that was the way to take the story. A bit of Healy and Gilchrist about it. Like you don't really want your TYC being bring it behind the, the stumps, right? You, you know, there's a bit of um, <laughs> anyway, a bit of fun. Uh, where we start um, this week, though, before we leave, Mitch, have you, have you spoken to him since he resigned from the uh, as it was back then, the Croc Media umbrella? Because it, it didn't end that well with you and him, given no, given he gave you a lot of time and you gave me his first job, I think, effectively in, in media, the first main job, anyway. Um, you always yeah, say this. You always say this. I I think the absolute world of him. He's a ripper, and I'm rep for him. Well, I I certainly do, and I I, I am. Work, I am you work with him. To, I'm shattered to lose him. Yeah, for a second time under my watch, Archie. He's yeah, you're, for um, a second time. Your succession planning is is, is Malthouse like. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you couldn't have been bringing him through at AFL.com. It is it is one of those jobs I think for 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 Mitch that as much as I would love him to stay with AFL.com.au that I think it's um given given he's clearly had a desire to head down that path he's now heading down I would imagine for him personally it's it's probably the about as good a timing as there is if there's such a, an ideal world scenario for someone his age and stage to to go down that path given he has always yeah, no, wanted to. And I'll tell you what's been a bit of a move before we move off that weekend sunrise gig. He did flat one off and uh, the picture of Rebecca Madden on social, or, you know, when you look at the sliding doors of this little move demo, it's been, uh, it's been strategic. Oh, you reckon, you reckon this was part of it, do you? Just positioning himself as a seven guy. I've been, I've worked there before. I've helped out on sunrise. You know, no, but hang on. Rebecca Madden's on nine, Hutchie weekend today. Which one did he do? He did one of the weekends. Excuse no, me. He did week. He did Rebecca Madden weekend oh, today. Yeah. So maybe, maybe Channel Seven. Maybe Channel Seven saw him on Channel me. Nine. Getting a, getting a, uh, my wires crossed there. Maybe that's what happened. Um, where do we start, Damo, on the week that's been in media and in? Yeah, there's a few places to start. We might as well start with Nadia Bartel. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with her, if you're listening to us from um, outside of Victoria and the influencer world that she's a, a prominent member of. Um, Somehow, inexplicably, and this is part of what we'll discuss, um, was videotaped uh, doing something she would probably rather she wasn't caught doing that, and then broadcast the world, that being um, 
the substance off a place, Hutchie, and uh, the fallout that is still to this day continuing, even only a couple of hours ago, officially uh, the Victorian police or the Victorian authorities have fined her $5,500 for, for for being in a in a situation that was against the COVID protocols at the time with other people. But there's so many layers to it. Um, I've got to know where to start. Let, let's start at the very beginning of it. Um, have you worked out a way that friends could videotape that moment and then distribute it without it being the greatest complete um, accident of hitting buttons on a phone? And it happened during, we, we've established, I haven't read the bumps and written the bumps in the story. Obviously it happened during, it's recent. It happened during the COVID breach. Yeah, yeah. So it happened last. Correct me if I'm wrong. Someone else, but I believe it was last Thursday evening. Wow. Um, the photo was distributed widely on the on the Friday. Well, I mean, for starters, it's um, complete breach of public trust in the COVID sense. Yeah. Um, so you know, entirely unacceptable. Not dissimilar to the the jockey issue. Uh, indefensible yeah. on that front. And the yeah. second thing is it, it's. It's it's a so socially um, a part, you know, it's a bit it's a massive um, um, social problem and a bad you know bad act and looked on the on the social front. Um, not without a little bit of empathy. Like I think, mm. um, leaving aside the COVID breach, people are going through tough times. You don't know what they're dealing with or the depth of how yeah. they're dealing with things. So I'm not sitting here in judgment of anyone else, other than I, yep. like everyone disappointed. No, I'm, in the I'm with that. I'm with you on that. Um, yep. The um, I think the. Uh, her response has been pretty good. Like if you think about putting yourself in that position, you've got a brand that you've built and you've got a big following, you're a mum, you've got a, uh, a friend involved, I'd suspect who's inadvertently or otherwise distributed the content. Um, yeah, it'll be a lot to deal with in a day. I, I think uh, the crisis management, and I think it was, was it Simon Pristel who did the crisis management, ex-Channel 7 News Director? Uh, did he? Um, did he? I think so, yeah. And that... Um, that advice has probably been timely because the statement. Man who, uh, man who spent many a, an hour and day in pursuit trying to get these types of videos, aren't you, in another life? Yeah, he's used his skills for niceness rather than evil, as Maxwell Smart would say. Um, but, um, yeah, I think the response has been the right one and, and hopefully an honest one. But you, know, you can – so I'm not without empathy for the human fallout, albeit, you know, you know as Ross Lyon would say, you challenge the behaviour aggressively. And um, it's good to see the government be strong on it. You, you can't walk past it from a government point of view because if, no. if everyone, everyone was running around society-wise like this, we'd be in an awful amount of trouble on so many levels. Is it, is it hard? It's so a clickbait frenzy, though, isn't it? It's a clickbait frenzy. Oh, massively. Yeah, massively. Um, and obviously all the memes that spun off it as well, and it's all part of you know the, the, yep. the, the natural flow of how these stories um, and part these stories take. Tell me, you, you work in the brand space as closely as anyone I know. Um, there's been one that I know of um, withdrawing support for Nadia. Did you expect that to happen more? Is there is there a potential from, from a brand space Hutchie, and, and, and given we're dealing with a certain demographic and a certain age of people who clearly are influenced by Nadia Bartel, is, is it possible, weirdly enough, as weird as it sounds, I'm discussing this from a media perspective, is it possible that, that over the journey, an act like this could even be enhancing of the path? It depends on the tone from here, right? So the, there was always going to be short-term damage. Yep. Um, I think that's been mitigated as best it can be. Um. And then I think there's obviously there's probably a long-term opportunity if the first step is to actually understand um, the mistake, the error, and be own it and be generally accountable to it, 
and from there it becomes the opportunity to to particularly to teach, coach, and encourage young people to not. I, you know, I don't. What, want, I don't want to be. I don't want to be flippant about it. But but the error is getting caught. No, the error. And, the error and, and I'm not being flippant. Okay, I'm. I'm just no, saying. No, error, everyone's error. apologetic, but but the error is getting it out into the public domain yeah, in I, a weirdest way. I think I've known. I mean, the error is twofold. It's the act itself, and then it's the distribution of the act. The distribution of the act is the area where, over time, that that might influence, like. There wouldn't have, there would have been many young people who would have gone, wow, that could have easily been me. Oh, and, thousands, thousands of and, young people, thousands of people. Yeah, the opportunity over time when the dust settles for Nadia to um, be part of that narrative in a you know, younger community on this this could happen to you is is it you know not a silver lining by any means, but it's you know it's something that yeah I agree with. I don't think it's enhancing, but it's you know I don't think it's I don't think this will be a career-defining thing for her, and okay. I think um, she can get past it, you know, by owning it. Are, are we? Are we? Have we gone too far down? As uh, I've used the word path a few times already, but have we gone down a path too far, Hutchie, with this influencer component to to the world and to the brands and to the way we carry, our, I suppose, our, our buying habits and the way that we in the media will naturally gravitate toward and, and celebrate and put people such as Nadia Bartel on a pedestal. And then obviously the moment something like this happens where there's a transgression, it, it goes the complete opposite way and there's a double down on that component. Do, well, are we? Is, is there a take well, out of any nature of along those lines? No, I, I have empathy for the person, but I, I think the behaviour deserves the, the consequence to come with it because, yeah. yeah, because in 2021 we are all publishers. Everyone is, everyone. Yeah. We've talked about this a lot. Everyone is their own Facebook. Everyone is their own Instagram. You've talked. You asked me only last week. Do I look at people's social when I hire them? Like everyone is their own broadcaster. Everybody, bar none. Now, in Nadia's case, she has built that audience to attempt to commoditize it. So and and has done a good job of commoditizing it, like 560,000 Instagram followers, that has become really her membership base to sell her products through. So, if if you're going to commoditize your following, you can't blame them when they rally against. Mm. Um, and then like her, her, her Nadia's life is a reality show. That's a, that that is the reality, and so is Jimmy's, and so is you know we're all of us really to a smaller degree. So. You, I'm not. I'm not in this space, Hutch. You know, and I, I choose not to be, and it's not for me. And they're they're not directing their influencing at, at me. I, I get all that, but I, I'm not detecting either any massive backlash. I mean, I mentioned before there was one reasonably major brand that's taken its support away, but I don't know the the, the intricacies of that particular deal. But I, I'm not sensing the the backlash that I, I reckon she would have woken up to on Friday morning fearing. Not am, so I, am, I, am I misreading it? By the way, no, I might no, be misreading no, it. Not at all. And and I, I think. The fact that she owned it quickly was the right advice. If that was um, Simon's advice, that was the right advice. Because in reality, um, you can't you can't try and commoditize being publicly accessible and then ask for privacy when something goes wrong. Mm. You got to live and die with the consequences of being a public figure. If if being a public figure is your income, then mm. you got to live with that good, bad, and indifferent. Yeah. Just back to that first question I asked you. Have you have you processed or attempted to process how it was distributed and, and how the person may have come to even put it onto a, a story 
so to speak, where it's you know flippant and, and fleeting, how that could happen? Is is it is it just an accidental tick in those options of of videos or photos that you want to forward somewhere, and maybe you want to I, forward them as a, as a text message, and you somehow hit hit WhatsApp or is is that what's or Instagram? Is that what's happened? I, I assume it was um, a friend filming it and inadvertently posting it to an Insta story or similar. I don't know. I haven't really given it a minute's thought. All I know is that. I don't know how you inadvertently do it. I don't get that. I can't imagine it had any malice to it, but it, phones are, are dangerous in 2021. <laughs> They're dangerous. Yeah. And you're at a party or an event, and not looking, any of us can go to those things anymore, but if you're in the public eye, like you... I remember when I when I was uh, when I walked into Channel Ten, Stephen Quartermain said to me, "The microphone's always on," and I used to remember that. But always think, ah, there's times in the ad break when it's off. And we've we've seen it. We've been we've come unstuck a lot twice now. <laughs> we had a <laughs> fucking conversation broadcast yeah, yeah. to trade what? radio there, Hutchie, and that was replayed in yeah. the page three of the Herald Sun. Even though thankfully would, we didn't say anything. <laughs> I would think if you're a if you're a social influencer, then the camera's always on. Yeah, and that's just that's the life you live, right? Um, just on that aspect of it, how many times in the last year have you accidentally sent a text message to someone you, you're bagging? Has, has it happened to you in the last year? used to happen to me a lot when I was younger. I got him away not bagging anyone anymore, Domo. So how about you? No, I, I, I've been able to even – even there's times when you're frantic and you, you're not really thinking clearly. I've somehow got this subconscious thing to hover the thumb over, the send button, whatever device, whatever um, app it is, and I just reread it every single time. And, and yep. I hope I can always have that uh, back of mind subconscious um, trait because, yeah, you, pro- you probably avoid it, don't you, if you reread it and just make sure you know who you're sending it to. By the way, Jay Clark uh, took that in good spirits last week. So hats off to Jay. He uh, We gave him the, the run of the mill last week and he was on the text having a laugh at himself. You did. So, you did. Um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> And, and that was in relation to um, the, the cheerleading conversation we yep. had. We, we talked about death riding as journos, and we're all guilty of that, as, as we equally are guilty of cheerleading at, at times. So you were you were saying that, and I, and I, and I did agree with you, that Jay may have been cheerleading Ross's campaign to become Carlton coach, and then Ross withdrew from the race. Yeah, but I mean, when Steve Harris, Anthony Rock and Winks all come up in your coverage in a 48-hour period, it can't go unaddressed. Um as I mentioned on Saturday on our radio show here in Victoria, he has been heavily coveted though. Uh, lots of prospective coaches have reached out to Jay. He's <laughs> going to take some meetings. Uh, he's actually going to run his own process where, <laughs> where assistant coaches can come and present to him on why he should cheerlead them. And I believe he's going to choose one assistant coach at the end of the process. So <laughs> He's actually doing his, he's actually doing his own psych testing of potential assistant coaches, Jay, to see but, where but he is. He, signs is, with. is he potentially going to actually form a subcommittee to to actually be part of that process for him, and, and to for that subcommittee to give him a shortlist before they come to him personally, maybe? Yeah, no, he's going to go going to run his own series of interviews, and at the end he'll be cheerleading one candidate. So um, he obviously Ross Lyon, he's had to let go. Um, that's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> He'll be back to quoting Ross in stories about, you know, I think he'll, he'll have a soft attachment for Ross. He'll Every once a fortnight, he'll quote Ross in a story to remind you of his relevance. <laughs> yeah. Um, while we're talking about the media, Hachi, um, on now, 
Jake Nile is, is one of my favourite journalists, and, yes. and I, I love Jake. And I'm, I'm already sounding like you because I'm actually prefacing my love of Jake and respect of Jake before I'm about to talk about him yep. on the sounding book. Um, that being the first question that he threw up to Chris Scott after uh, the most recent uh, AFL final that the Geelong Cats played, where they won, won the second week of finals to stay alive in the in the finals race. And Here's the here question. It is, Chris, have you considered what the shape of that game would be? And, of course, it's a different universe with Jeremy Cameron playing for them, bearing in mind their forward issues and not for you, even though you had Tom, who was dominant. Just a combination of those two players compared to what they had. No, not really. I had a few um, other things on my mind other than those um, weird hypotheticals. Um, but, they, you know, they would be weird if I were thinking them. I understand why you would be. Um, give me a couple of days to think about it and I'll give you a more considered answer. But, Tom I think, was... but what, I, what I will say is I think it would be um, bordering on offensive to say that uh, the performance tonight was good because we had Jeremy Cameron and they didn't. And you had what, Tom Hawkins. That was pretty significant too. Yeah, well, any good team has good players um, and they were significant, but that's not the question you asked now, Hachi, I've been as guilty as anyone for asking questions at, at inappropriate times about stuff that's got nothing to do with that moment in time. I don't know what Jake was thinking there, Hutch. Yeah, he had a shocker, didn't he? I, I think <laughs> uh, I, I have a theory that I, I'm not sure journalists are great on Zoom. We're not. We're not at our best as like we're not. Most journalists I know are not. You're talking about the old fashioned ones, which you and I are, and, and Jake clearly is. Yeah, so Jake's Jake's modus operandi. He's more comfortable in the room. He's an eyeballer. He likes his sort of five minute yep. preamble before he sits five. down. Maybe 50 15, 55. He likes to hold a tape recorder. He's an old school tape recorder holder. Yep. And he's a like he's a talk out of the side of his mouth journalist. So when you make him call into a Zoom call, he's he's disrupted. He's not settled. Yeah. He's not sure when to go and how to go. And he's also on deadline. And so he's clearly written the Cameron story. <laughs> Panics. Oh, needs, needs oh, so a it's, a, it's a retro fit for the article he's written. Yep. How many journalists do you think go to a press conference looking for one specific grab that they've already written in their story back at the office? I used to do it all the time. Yeah. yeah. You'd wait till the, near the end of it if it was really specific to what you're writing about and just get that one grab and, and then off you go back to the office and put in the story and, and it's in. Yeah. Yep. And the only thing worse than asking a shocker, let's, let's agree it's a shocker, a question. And he's allowed to have one shocker that he's been outstanding. But when you've asked a shocker, what you're hoping for is yeah. that the subject just doesn't <laughs> hang around and back over it or make you ask it again. <laughs> Comes out of your mouth and you go, oh, I hope we can move on quick. So that wasn't a great question. And Chris Scott hovered. He hovered. Yeah. He made it worse. He did. Yeah. He made it worse. He backed over it. Uh, you mentioned the word offensive. He, he, and then, you know what I loved about Jake? He went with a Mickey Mouser at the back of the presser. In fact, <laughs> let's play Jake's Mickey Mouser make good. Here it is. One more, guys. Game, game against Melbourne in round Tough 23. One, is the game in Melbourne in round 23, is that of any relevance to what to Friday? Or do you just wipe it? No, I don't think Even so. Even though it's so close. And, yeah, yeah I, I, guess, I guess that would be the point that I try to make as coherently as possible. Um, games that were 25 days away uh, or 25 days ago, whatever the number is, um, are more relevant than games that were 950 games away. Did, did he really want to know the answer to that or did he want to just leave knowing it wasn't the last question he asked? 
<laughs> it's like when you hit a bad golf ball out of bounds. You're not going home. Oh, the last ball hit today on golf was out of bounds. You want to just get one down the middle. And he went back with a Mickey Mouse at Damo. Hey, well, while we're on the journo theme, Suchi, um, what's happened to our man Steve? Now, I actually asked this question not having a line of sight on it. Um, he He's a mate of mine, as you know. He left Channel 7. He couldn't work with uh, Tom Brown any, any longer. That's just my part of that story. He hasn't said that at all. In fact, he just was more than happy to leave and, and go and work for the Victorian opposition leader here in this or the state that we you and I live in for Michael O'Brien. But but I, I, I see last night and again this morning, and it's ramping up as we speak, there's going to be a challenge <laughs> to his leadership by the former leader, Matthew Guy. What, what happens here, Archie? <laughs> well, well it, uh, he's taking his eye off the ball. It, it, there's only so many Alex Keith tweets you can send. <laughs> before. Like, Ma- Michael is struggling for share of media voice with his own media advisor. <laughs> he, I, I think at one point Michael was going to join the Bulldogs coterie just so he could get written about by Steve-O. <laughs> And Matthew Guy's come at him on, a, on the back of a lack of profile. And Michael's sitting there saying, mate, until this final series is over, am I going to get any any uh, media awareness? Steve, he's got his hands full talking about Bailey Smith's um, ice in his veins. <laughs> I, hope he's, uh, I hope he's okay, Steve. I'm going to check in with Steve, though, after this uh, this podcast today, Hutchie. Um, look, let's let's continue with the he'll, names he'll and, and journalism. He's a, he's a, the bulldog in him, uh, he'll rise to the challenge of this next 48 hours. I reckon he will. Steve, um, since we last spoke, Archie, uh, Eddie Maguire has been denied entry into WA by basically the the Premier of the state, Mark McGowan. Uh, yes, yep. Why you? What was your view of this? Well, yeah, it was an interesting story, and I was actually on uh, on on Basil's show that morning when Basil broke that particular story. He had the uh, all the information before anyone else did, Basil. My man Basil. So it was a it was a big morning over here in Perth, and it absolutely took off in the in the Perth market. You, that story. Do you think it was personal, or do you think it was reasonable? Oh, look again, you don't know. Um, I, I know that every single person who has put in a request through the official channels has had to um, tick a thousand boxes, Archie. And I I'm obviously use that that word uh, um, exaggeratedly. Uh, so look, there, look, there, there was. It was an issue, I believe, the way Basil reported it, um, that the application had his two sons as part of it. Um, now, they're, they're producers. We, we know them both, and they're, they're fantastic kids, and they're, they're great operators. I worked with Joe quite closely last year on the Sunday footy show. Um, whether that was you know, seen to be by someone in the health department or the government offices that that was asking too much, I mean, I, I don't know. It was certainly part of the, the storytelling around it. Yeah, and I think, like you he applied through the right channels. He accepted the outcome, or well, mostly accepted it. He gives a couple of little drive-bys, but he, for the most part, he, he copped on the chin. He certainly shared that he'd been knocked back, so he didn't try and hide it. So, you know. What did he say in the end? I hope they only get it for one year. One year. Um, <laughs> just on the w, on WA, I've been, just yeah. been thinking a bit, a bit about this. What would you do if you were Mark McGowan when the rest of the country opens up and allows COVID to be part of our day-to-day lives. Like, we're on this path of New South Wales, Victoria, open up. Um, it'll put pressure clearly on South Australia, Queensland and Tassie, who supposedly agreed that they'll they agree with this flight path of 70 and 80%. But what it's going to do in those environments is it's going to let COVID in for the first time. You know, mm. we, in Melbourne, for instance, or Sydney, we might have an invo- uh, world where we've got two, two and a half, three thousand 3,000 cases a day and we're, we're all going to the footy again. You know, like, it's... It's a it's a little easier in Melbourne and Sydney where there's no alternative. 
in Perth is a clear alternative. Stay stay shut. Yeah. Um, stay shut for as long as you can. Um, iron ore and the mining sectors are in really healthy condition. The economy's strong. The quarantine system in West Australia, from my point of view, looks pretty good. 14 days if you're at home, take a photo and send it in. You know, it's two weeks that people don't want to do and it'll deter tourism. But um, I don't know. Like, what what would you do? You got well, you only got got such political capital. Look, my my view on it, and I've refrained from from saying too much about this because I'm just one voice, Hutchie, amongst the millions in this country, and I've I've taken the view, and I took it from the outset that at some stage, at some stage, we're going to have to live with it, um, and how that looks is going to be different through the different lenses that each state and health authority puts on it. But if you, I'm, not, I'm not going to put myself in any um, premier's shoes, but it's obvious and it was obvious from day one of this pandemic that you're going to have to live with it in some form sooner rather than later, because the alternative is is creating greater problems in, in my eyes. Now, you, you've been more vocal about about the politics attached to it and that is politics attached to it it's not just a simple matter of what's right or wrong there's politics attached to everything we do and i try and come at it from um you know the sporting landscape that we both work in and and fought but um that that's that's my view i, I don't see the afl hutch i've said this before on this platform and others that i don't see the afl mandating a need to to vaccinate they'll encourage they'll urge they'll prod they will suggest they will hold hands take the horse to the water the well and take the horse to the water, um, but I, I don't see them. I just don't see them as a, as an organisation doing as the NFL has done effectively and said yep. that there is a massive price to pay if you don't. And even the NFL did it quite, I think, quite cleverly. Um, we we're, we're not saying you have to, but I tell you what: if one of your players is is um, is it comes down with COVID, and that forces your team to lose that game or your entire team to not play the game, that's on your team's head. So that's a different way to to, to treat it. I, I still don't see the AFL doing it that way either. I still feel that they will adhere to the the state um, health authorities and the state governments, whichever state that is in a, in a certain situation. Did you do you see that differently? Uh, fair bit there. Um, let me unpack it. So. In South Australia, Queensland, Tasmania, it's, it, it's inevitable they're going to have to open up and live with the consequences at some stage. In West Australia, and so step back further, I don't spend a minute caring or lobbying about the rules. Just try and play within them. You get, you just, we've been that way for the 18 months, right? So yep, there's no point, no point spending a minute thinking about your own view or something because it's emotional energy you can't influence and you're better off spending your energy in things that you can influence. That's stood us, stood us both well. It looks like those three states will inevitably have to open at some stage. Queensland looked like they're kind of dragging the heels on it a bit. In WA, it wouldn't surprise me if he wrote it out and you could make and, and understand the argument why he wants to get another six or 12 months. Mm. Of, um, it, it, it's looking, acting at times like a different country and with great success doing so, it's generating wealth and it's the people there are happy. So, mm. you know, I can... I could understand whichever way that the Premier went in Western Australia, and that would make, you know, in in terms of sport, I think the AFL will be harder nosed on vaccines than you realise. Um, in fact, I think... Harder and actually mandate? Because this is my argument here. I, I don't see them legislating slash mandating. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I, I, I suspect they're not quite there yet in their minds, but I think they're closer to there than you think. Okay. Um I suspect 
reading the tea leaves that the more individual the sport, the more lax the vaccine policy is going to be. Um, it's a bit of a referendum on selfishness, if you look at it that way. Um, the more perceived to be selfish sports tennis springs to mind, seems to be um, a little more lenient on vaccination. Well, um, well, okay, where, where's okay? Where does that then fit in with with this government, the Victorian government, that, yep. that for a second year in a row is going to try to run the Australian Open during a pandemic, and, yep. and arguably that the constraints attached to this year's or the, the next event, arguably, Hachi, arguably, are going to be worse than the previous one because uh, if you recall, we, we had crowds there for two or three days or four days or whatever, five and six, seven, seven days, significant crowds oh, yeah. at that I mean, Open last year before they shut it down. Yeah, what what I was trying to say is. The individual teams, sports where you're an individual and play, look like they're a bit more lenient. Tennis, golf, sports where you're a part of an ensemble cast are going to be much more stringent. And that, I guess, makes a bit of sense because your your ability to impact others is is greater. Um, On the tennis front, looking at the US Open, they've changed their rules a couple of times over the three-week period. But in essence, this this is the skinny. You can play unvaccinated, but you can't attend unvaccinated, I think is how I read it. Or right. uh, that might not be in, uh, entirely true, but there's a there's a tougher stance anyway on the attendance than there is on the playing. Um, Martin Bakula, the Victorian sports minister, sent a pretty strong message to global tennis players today about vaccinations. Short of mandate it, um, they were pretty strong on it. Um, but again, but again, it's short of mandating. It's uh, short of. Yeah, so I don't think it's a massive leap to mandate. What we're and seeing everyone in, in this country, I feel, Hutchie, is, is not going to. What we're seeing in the sports like the NFL is if you're unvaccinated, they're just making it tricky for you. Right? You've got to travel on a different bus. You've got to you know, get your own way there. You've got to have a meeting behind the screen. And it's on your head if you can't play and you bring your team down, either, either not losing the game of, of football yeah. or, or not even being able to play it. So, um, yeah. I, I think there's, just, a lot of, there's a lot of high-profile tennis players who, if they come to town unvaccinated, they're going to um, – rightly or wrongly, be in the eye of the public, I think. Yeah, but again, to, to say you can't play the tournament, I just don't see that I, happening. No, I, I don't think they'll ban it either. But I, I think if it were a team event, I think teams, leagues will be harder on teams. I, I, I wouldn't have a problem if they did. I just don't see what the governments do? in Australia doing it. Yeah, so you, anyway, it might change over time. Would you mandate it? Um. Yeah, look, I would. If if that was the view of the board I sat on, as as controller of said sport, yes, I would. But actually, the, the AFL, unlike the NFL, is, is so beholden. Its whole model is is having um, partnerships with governments, isn't it? I mean, you you know that. And as such, they, they are not going to break away from from the advice and the the suggestions of government. That's just, this is just my take as a, as a consumer here. Um, the NFL is effectively, Hachi, is a privately owned company. I, I say effectively, because you know there's other constraints around it, but they go into different states and they do whatever they choose to do. They, they've got billionaire owners who obviously they're losing money by, by the games not being played with crowds. Um, just on that, we've probably waffled enough about the politics around it. Um, you and I flicked a couple of texts to each other during the week. How amazing was it to see some of those college football scenes on the weekend just gone with stadiums full of 100,000 yeah. people in unison in certain songs? And here we are in, uh, in with most of Australia still under some form of curfew. And I Googled 
quite a bit of the circumstances around it because each state's rules are different. In, in most of those pitches we saw, the Alabama scenes, the uh, the, the bouncing and the jump of, in uh, Milwaukee, I think it was, and then others, um, you you didn't need to be vaccinated. Right. I, I thought they were vaccination only crowds. They they were they weren't. You, mm. It wasn't even you were encouraged, but weren't mandated in many states to wear masks. Like it's that's really putting the onus on the individual. Um, it's extraordinary, really. Like it's oh, extraordinary. Yeah. 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 Well, you had, you, um, I mean, the, because here, our tier one, tier two exposure sites are not going to go away post vaccination, are they? Surely not. They get. They're in fact they're going to grow because we're going to go. We're going to have, you know, more cases than we've ever had yeah. before. And you look at the uh, cricket on the weekend, India and England. I was listening to our commentary on SEN last night. Ravi Shastri got COVID, and the other coaches. He's he's double vaxxed, no symptoms, but he has to isolate and then, you know, so do others. Hang on. He, he's double vaxxed and he's got it. Yeah. And he's asymptomatic. Well, I think he's asymptomatic. If, if he had symptoms, it was mine. I think um, Shane Warne was double vaxxed too, wasn't he? Was he? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Hachi, um, let's jump into question of the week. Time now for the sounding board. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to DrinkWise. And the question of the week, as always, for DrinkWise, you won't miss a chance to ask us the tough questions on the sounding board if you drink wise. We're going to choose one from Andrew Dowling today. Hachi, it's come via Twitter. Do journalists deliberately avoid discussing the influence of poor umpiring in determining the outcome of a game? Lines were absolutely robbed in this view prominent on social media from all fans of all clubs except Bulldogs, yet barely acknowledged by AFL journalists writing about the game thoughts. Um, I disagree with that, Andrew. I think there was uh, due reference given to to some of those decisions. And we, we certainly did it on the Sunday footy show. I um I, I had a, a view on it last week, even before the game on some issues. I, I don't go overboard on it. I, I do take the, the view, Hutchie and Andrew Dowling, who's asked the question that um there's an amazing and an, an inordinate amount of focus on on umpiring decisions when you line it up with the player who is a professional athlete who, who cannot, and this happens this happens regularly, Hutchie. This would happen ten times a game. Who cannot kick a kick a ball through a nine meter gap, which are the goals, accurately from about twenty five meters out in any given game. So I reckon if we put the same focus on those players, we'd uh, very quickly realise the umpiring issue is. Uh, as well down the rung to when it comes to the actual issues that determine the outcomes of, of games. But now look to answer your question, I reckon, I reckon it was covered, Andrew. I, I don't know what you were watching or witnessing, but we, we certainly covered it on, on channel nine without being overboard about it, by the way. And, and, and Hutchie, I've been listening to your, your radio stations um, through, through the app a fair bit. And, and it's fair to say your stations covered it pretty widely too. Well, there's only two types of um, sports fans, people that get up in arms about umpiring and people that don't. Yeah. I'd like to think I'm in the people that don't. Like, what's the point yeah. of worrying about things you can't control? Umpires are going to make exactly. mistakes in games, the same as players make mistakes. Yep. I heard you guys on the Sunday footy show talking about 41 and 47s, too many free kicks, and you're probably right. But, you know, um, there were too many handballs by the respective midfields and too many points kicked by players, and it's just human error. Um, people make mistakes. Not in the rule book, Sachi. I always say this to anyone. It's not in the rule books that the free kicks have to come out as uh, as even in any given game or um, even any given I, season. And it's an intangible that makes our game great. The bounce of the ball, the, the way the umpire interprets the decision, it's an inexact science, our game. It's part of its beauty and part of its charm. It's not a round ball with a clear set of rules. The rules are highly subjective. 
the way the ball bounces is highly speculative, and that's part of its charm. Why I don't know why we, you know, I've, I, I'm the same with the basketball. By the way, I, I, you know, I get frustrated like everyone at times. But then you, for one second, you go, "Why are they over officiating?" And then you realise that um, who cares? <laughs> hey, yeah, you're in Tassie, all, as you said, all off I the top would, of this show. All I would say is this: um, Have you ever? complained about a game that's been barely officiated in your life before that's been badly officiated like when you when there's no decisions ever yeah there's very rarely any outrage is there people get outraged about decisions rather than lack thereof yes that's a fair statement yes when when you're at school when you played footy at lunchtime or you played basketball with your mates you'd umpire yourselves right and there'd be no decisions and and it all worked out in the end you know so i so if we're in any doubt about umpires, why don't we just cut the decisions in half and just pay the bleeding obvious ones Yeah, in all sports? Hey, uh, you said you're in Tassie off the uh, top of our show today, Hutchie. Um, are you doing that potentially to, as some are seeking to do, to come into WA for the grand final? I came down as an essential worker for the uh, two finals. We've got radio stations here in Launceston and Hobart, which I haven't been able to get to before, so taking the opportunity to, to work basically. So that's as far as I've gone. I'm, I'm still in Launceston and uh, working on our station here and our station in Devonport. So that's as far as I've kind of gone and gone at this stage. So, so might I see you, and I'm fortunate enough to be nearing into my quarantine, might I see you at Optus Stadium on September 25? Is that a possibility? I haven't even got to it as a thought process, Damo. I'm hand on heart just working here because I can. It's, it's, it's hard to work in Melbourne or Sydney at the moment. And it is easier to work here at the moment, so I'm under an essential right. workers. If uh, you format. do, if you do, can we have a can we have a coke, a cola before the game? If uh, if you do, uh, it's it's a world away from me. I've got a fair bit on my plate here at the moment. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to um, keep an eye on New Zealand from a distance too, which is a challenge. Um, hopefully, New Zealand uh, is starting to get its um, house in order a little bit. Auckland's been a challenge. That's a um, that's a hard, hard lockdown, don't we? We launched SENZ, as you know, in New Zealand into 28 markets about 10 weeks ago and um, not for a minute thinking that the whole country would go through a form of lockdown and now half the country's in lockdown. But that's... Well, like, h- harder than the Victorian experience? Yeah, the, the, nothing's open. Like McDonald's is shut and coffee shops are shut. And, really? Like, it's it's a lockdown. Lo- no, Auckland's a lockdown lockdown. Um, I'm not caught up with that aspect of it. Yeah, okay. So that's, um, as you'd imagine, um, you know, we're, we're an essential service in, the, in a broadcasting sense, but the rules are ruthlessly stringent as they should be. And uh, it is very hard to trade in New Zealand with nothing other than chemists really open. Um, so that's taken up a bit of my time, if you'd understand, Damo. All been the South Island coming out into a, into a stage three. Okay. All right, Hachi. Well, let's, uh, that was episode 32. You look relaxed. You've been quarantine life since you. I've, got a, I've been fortunate enough to get an exercise bike into the room, and um, I've never ridden an exercise bike um, much anyway. And, um, yeah, so whether I'm trying to get on that for at least 40 minutes a day and work up a bit of a sweat to pass the time, Hachi, it's been uh, – I'm glad that bike's been in this room. You might not, uh, you might not, you might not come out. You might wait another week just to get the peace and quiet. 
Anyway, well, uh, I might be, I might be out. I might be out this time next week, aren't you? When we have uh, episode thirty-three of series six of the Sounding Board, and that was just the completion of thirty-two, episode thirty-two of series six of the Sounding Board for Drink Wise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise.